Hi, welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm your host, Johnny Hill. Hi, I'm Caitlin Noonan. I'm Juliana Ratchford. I'm Phil Gambling. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal. Today, we've gathered Xperionauts from all around the Xperoverse, some who have been around for a while and some who have graduated fairly recently to share advice, recommendations, and lessons learned for those who have either graduated recently or who are about to graduate and are interested in getting into the tech field. Let's get started. So let's just kind of start by talking about some of the most important things we've all learned maybe in our first jobs after graduation or things that we learned that were really valuable taking into that first job. So I remember, I think the thing that really stood out to me and actually is maybe before I actually graduated, but during those internships, was just like how much you learn on the job that you didn't learn in classwork and like what your professor talked about. I mean, there's just like the world of, academia and like the professional world completely different both important but you're just you basically come into your job and you're starting from square one and you're going to learn a heck of a lot there Mm -hmm. um and the key i think the key was and maybe this i don't know if we're going to talk about this later but just also how important having good mentors is throughout i mean really every stage but like especially right when you start having someone that is a mentor of some kind really help guide you through that I second that. There really is no substitute for hands-on application. Um, you know, academia can only do so much and not to sort of uh, reduce the influence of school and the stuff you learn there. But once you actually get your hands on something and are expected to deliver, it's a completely different ball game, right? In, in school, it's almost like you have your assignments you have to do, and the assignments are actually putting up those guardrails for you. So they're helping you limit and focus. Uh, you know, hey, do this uh, design exercise or do this coding exercise. And here are the requirements of the parameters. And, you know, here's what you need to deliver. When you get into application, those, you know, those bumpers on your bowling lanes are gone, right? You can end up in the gutter a lot of times. Uh, not to be confused with the gutter we use in design because that's an important <laughs> thing to do. But, um, it, those those bounds aren't there and you sort of have to quickly be self-driven and self-correcting, if you will, right? Being vocal about it uh, so that you can stay on course and make sure you're checking in with the client, the manager, whoever, right, to help substitute those guardrails that are no longer there. I'm like also, yeah, you brought up a point too that uh, the classwork tends to have one way of doing things like it's yeah this is what we learned this week and this is how we're going to do that assignment and right those are your constraints but in the working world there's many different ways to solve a problem some of them will take you to the gutter to keep that bowling analogy going some of them will get you a spare some of them will get your strike there's no one way to do it and if you end up in the gutter you can always fix it too things mistakes are rarely like permanent it's not like oh we got an f on that assignment that's it Mm -hmm. it's like well okay you just have to revisit it and rework this problem yeah, that was reminding me of that uh, for school and workplace, them being similar or not. I thought of it in the way of like the client kind of being like your professor, which of course, you know, in the workplace, you're trying to also steer the client in the right direction, which of course you can't do in school. You can't say, you know, no, actually this is the better way to do it. 
Uh, so, like, okay. I probably won't go you can too try. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're yeah. in a, on a debate team, maybe then there's some of that. Yeah. But I feel like I learned so much in the first few months of um, this first job, even more so like than I did throughout a lot of schooling because it was, you know, every single day, you know, eight hours a day throughout mm-hmm. the whole entire week, um, sort of more focused. But I feel like, you know, through classes, you had a little bit of everything. So you didn't necessarily get to hone your craft in a, you know, certain environment or certain um, study. We just learned a little bit, but I definitely learned a lot in the beginning compared to just classes. Yeah, I think for me, um, the most important thing that I learned was uh, like going with the flow, uh, keep a plan, but maybe not an outline because things usually are very different than how you expect them to go and you know embracing that rather than planning a little too much uh for something that you don't really know what that looks like yeah i think some some significant differences or things that i took into my first job like at least for me in college i you know i took five or six classes a semester and changed just you know you're changing classes every semester too so i wasn't quite expecting the like the ability to focus down as much on one or two projects because I was used to having my attention split a little bit, which I think was a really good change. You know, having the skill set of being able to jump from one thing to the next and kind of context shift is very important, especially in consulting. But I was really refreshed by the like the freedom of, oh, I just have like one or two things that I'm responsible for right now. And I can just focus on that and get it done instead of, oh, I also have like 15 other things in the back of my mind. It, there's just a different feel with being in the professional world and also like you know i'm sure we'll talk more about like mentorship but having other people alongside you working with you who aren't just like brand new who have a little more experience and and can kind of take you under their wing made a huge difference for me i know like another big difference i guess something i didn't really expect coming into my first job here at expiro was there's just a lot of information that you don't know and it, you kind of get it all at once, um, or at least it, it can kind of feel that way. It's like drinking from the fire hose, I think is the example that uh, most new hires use when we ask them how it's going. But it's also like you're completely immersed in this like new environment. And yes, there's a lot of information and it can be overwhelming, but it's also like there's this wealth of information around you and you can learn so much in such a small amount of time that you didn't even know that you didn't know. So it's it's very different from a classroom setting because it's very hands-on and it's much more like personal and interactive in a, in a sense, but there is still a lot of learning going on. It's just a different kind of learning. Yeah, they're around people that most of the time would be happy to teach or if you ask that question like, hey, could you tell me more about that? Sure, you know, let's spend five minutes, an hour versus like professors, you kind of, oh, well, I'll go to like um, office hours, that, you know, to follow up on that. but. It's different when you ask a coworker who's been doing this for five, 10, 15 years to like take a deep dive. And most people are happy to share in the workplace, at least here at Xperia. And that's where the self-driven part comes in too, because with the fire hose, there's a lot of information and you have to focus and pick which of that you want to tackle and learn about first, right? You can't drink from a fire hose. You need you can drink from a straw, right? So you need to plug in straws into that fire hose coming in and say, I'm going to focus on these three things uh, initially for like the first few weeks so I can learn it. And then I'll turn to the next thing. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where, you know, mentorship and other stuff that we'll talk about in a second will, you know, uh, plays a big part because they'll help you focus as well. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about mentorship. I don't want to get too deep into it because I think we're going to spin that off into its whole <laughs> an entire podcast episode. But let's talk a little bit about particularly when you're coming in from an academic setting, you've recently graduated, the value of mentorship and what that, you know, ideally would look like um, and just any any words of wisdom around that. I mean, let, uh, we'll ask you, uh, uh, Juliana, Caitlin, how have uh, your mentors helped when you first uh, joined? Please say they've actually helped. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I feel, I mean, definitely a lot more supported than, you know, in the previous being a student. I feel like uh, I've never been the kind of person that like reaches out to say, you know, teachers or professors or, you know, uh, outside of classes. But with like the mentorship, I feel like because it's, you know, someone right there that you can ask any question or you have your one-on-ones during the week and you can show what you've been working on and get some feedback from someone that's, you know, been working on uh, maybe similar, you know, designs or um, similar items for, you know, a while and to actually get that really good feedback. I feel like back as a student, I kind of talk to more, you know, of my peers, which of course they don't necessarily have as much experience as say the professor or a mentor. So overall, I feel like it's been really, you know, helpful having someone there to always go to. Yeah, I know one thing that I really appreciated um, having mentors was understanding the business sense that comes into going into the workplace. I feel like a lot of it I didn't really understand kind of how everything worked behind the scenes from, again, business or like a financial sense, like for the client. And so having a mentor that I could ask those things and a less stressful environment was really helpful to also inform some of the design that I was doing also. Yeah, I think one one key difference is we've tried to pair up by default every single person in the company whatever level you're at, whether you've been here for eight years or you're starting fresh and you just graduated, everyone is paired with someone who can act as a mentor. It may not be, you know, every interaction with that person is a mentor opportunity, but the ideal would be that that is an outlet and an opportunity and kind of a a source of knowledge whenever it's needed. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, they'll seek you out whether you want to be mentored or not, because it's like, hey, you're new and I want to, you know, help you out as much as I can. And sometimes it's like, Hey, I'm here whenever you need to talk, if there's anything that comes up, but you know, there are different styles and ways of doing that. And everyone, you know, kind of benefits from slightly different approaches there, depending on their personality, but making a big emphasis on making sure that no one feels like the opportunity to be mentored is beyond their reach. It's like built into the culture and built in as, as an opportunity for everyone. Yeah. And like mentorship throughout my career, not just at Xperia. It's like, I, there were times where it was formal, especially when you're an intern and you kind of like are set up with someone to be your mentor. Mm-hmm. And then there are people like in hindsight, like, ah, okay, that person was a mentor. And I was very lucky to have just had that working arrangement at the time. Um, and you kind of need it. You know, I don't know, Cream, if you feel the same way, it's like, yeah, you just, it never goes away. It's always good to have someone you can rely on to be a mentor, no matter like how experienced you are, because there's usually someone still a little bit further ahead of you. Um, Correct. I, I agree. You're always learning, right? And that was sort of my one piece of advice that I was going to say, but there you go. I revealed it now. <laughs> but uh, it, it's one of those things where like, if you 
take the mentality that you're always learning and there's always someone better in this area. I want to go learn from them and, you know, get better and improve yourself. Uh, that, you know, self-correcting and self-improving mentality, you know, seeking out those mentors that are good at that is, you know, critical to just continue developing and growth over your career. Yeah, similar to that, that was also I had the piece of advice that was don't expect to be at the speed or obviously the skill of someone who's been doing this a lot longer than you have. I feel like whenever you first, you know, you get out of college and you're at your first job, you feel, you know, like pressured to perform like immediately and to, you know, really be at that same level as like a senior or a lead. Mm. But that's my like main advice is to like give yourself the time to learn and to, you know, go and get your critiques and, um, you'll just move from there and it comes easier, the, you know, interacting with clients or um, just the design process or any of the processes, they get a lot easier as time goes on. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that and say it's, it's kind of both. It's like, don't get a big head and think that you're this amazing person who, mm -hmm. you know, can do everything and you don't need help, but also don't assume that you don't have anything to offer. Like there's, I, I learn stuff from people who have just been doing this for a very short time and from people who recently graduated all the time. And, you know, we, especially here, we, we bring in people who are smart and good at what they do because they're smart and good at what they do, even if they're young. So yeah, it's like that delicate balance of recognizing like, okay, yeah, I don't want to like fall into the imposter syndrome and like, why am I here? I don't have anything to offer, but also recognize like I'm still learning and I'm there are going to be mistakes that I make and hopefully I'll be able to catch them or someone else can catch them and help me correct them. But, um, you know, it, so it's, it, it's a balancing act, but I think, um, yeah, definitely that attitude of, of coming in and saying like, yeah, I'm learning and I'm open to learning is crucial. I think it's true. Like, uh, you said something about like, like newer grads will come in and may know <clears throat> new things that the, you know, the more experienced folks don't know because they have been thrown into, an environment where they're learning and bringing in new ideas because it is also easy for us old folks to just get stuck in the ways we do things and you don't always have like a natural way of kind of reintroducing new ideas so sometimes it is like so-and-so new person joins the company and brought up some cool new thing and like oh wow you know that might actually be really applicable this problem we have over here and um more ex experience usually helps you understand like when to like temper, you know, all that enthusiasm and how to apply it. But it also um, doesn't mean like, you know, everything for sure. Like I'm always learning things from everyone else here at Xperia. Yeah, that, that does bring up uh, pitfalls, right? Like some pitfalls or traps we've seen people fall into. Uh, and it usually falls into two main categories, either not doing enough or doing too much, right? And it, yeah. finding the right balance is is the key. And it's going to be different from everyone and every project and every company. And you sort of have to feel it out. But like, if you're on the on the the trap of doing too little, if you're expecting that everyone's going to walk you through every step, that's probably going to be a struggle because unlike school where it's more of a push, right? They're pushing you to do this, this assignment and then this assignment, then this assignment. In the workplace, it's more of a pull, right? We hired you because you're smart and talented. We know you can do it. Now it's on you to drive and ask questions as you need to, right? We'll still guide you along the way and keep asking and prodding, 
but it's it's more of that pull relationship and it's like it's it's on you and so if you go in there and you're sitting around waiting for someone to tell you to do something every time you're blocked and you're not raising your hand you know that is uh, a key to have issues and on the flip side there's a lot of people that come in with a lot of enthusiasm which is great there's nothing wrong with that but in so doing people often overestimate how much energy and capacity they have and they say yes to everything because they want to learn i mean why wouldn't you want to learn right uh but very quickly they can end up burning themselves out or getting overwhelmed by you know having to work 80 hours just to keep track of everything that they want to learn quickly and really the the answer to that is yes it's okay to have that enthusiasm and you want to learn these 14 things you know coming right in but prioritize right and that's where we say use that straw in the firehouse right like here are the three things of the 14 i want to tackle this week and next and then i'll do the other ones and other ones and you're still get to learn all of them you just have to do it in turn i still remember when uh, my boss pulled me aside at one point and said like hey you know you don't have to say yes to everything we ask you to do right <laughs> like it, you're doing a great job but we're worried that you're burning yourself out don't be afraid to tell me no and i was like i can do that <laughs> you can and you, and you can ask like yes but how soon do you need it right. you know ask for a priority call too right it doesn't yeah. all have to be done at once yeah. yeah and that was a that was a game changer for me and definitely helped me with my task and priority management yeah i remember when i started out just i would get so much anxiety opening up my email in the morning and just think like I, I mean that literally I don't know if it was panic attacks but I just remember feeling like oh I don't want to do this cuz feeling like I had to be able to answer everything immediately answer you know with like deep experience that I see these people with decades of experience answering questions with like kind of that what we were saying earlier like thinking that you should be as good as all these other people it's like no I was the, the low man on the totem pole and everyone understood that and that took me a while to figure that out cuz yeah down the road it's like Yeah, not every also not every email. I mean, we're pretty good. I feel like our email isn't out of control, but some places can be wild and not everything needs an immediate answer either. If you're working on something, then you're working on it and mm -hmm. that other request might have to wait. Um, but not yeah, it's like it's so easy when you first start to just think everything is important and if I don't answer or don't have a good answer, I'm going to get fired and that's it. You know, that was definitely I felt like the mindset I came into the working world with because i think also you get a little bit out of school it's like well the assignments due next week everything has a due date within the next few months but the working world no nah, not always yeah i can relate to that uh phil where you know we work with clients all over right lots of different time zones and many are much earlier than us and you you know come in in the morning and you you're ready to go and you open your inbox and there's like a bunch of emails from clients where you feel like hey you're already behind because they replied you know an hour ago if they're in the eastern time zone and I'm in central all uh, right so I need to respond quickly but that is assuming that they are on the other end waiting for your response right away like if they're clicking refresh you know continuously on their inbox no they sent the message and they have moved on because it was on their list they had to ask a question they don't expect it right away unless the tone and the like there's something in there that says that right and once you realize that it does get much better like nothing needs to be urgent and for the ones that are you know use the tools at your disposal like in your inbox you can star messages you need to respond to you know quickly 
you can snooze ones that don't need a response for, you know, a couple of days or whatever, things like that. So let's spend a little bit of time kind of thinking through what are some things that, you know, giving advice to people who are maybe about to graduate or looking into internships, like what kinds of jobs and internships should they be looking for? Like, what are what are some qualifications that they should say, like, well, I, I want to work at that kind of a place. Uh, what, what should that look like? And also recognition of maybe some of the differences between what kinds of things you should expect from an internship versus a job. I know um, one thing that grads could look for is like the difference between agencies and in-house when they're going out and looking, since I know that that's something that I never really understood the difference between, but could make a world of difference. And I think for an internship, you can kind of go and experience that and then know. But um, if you can do research ahead of time, I think that would be a good thing to do. Yeah, especially for design, because that kind of changes what exactly you'd be working on. Because like in our experience, it's, you know, kind of like a mishmash of a lot of different things. But like you said, if it's more in-house, then you're kind of very focused on if you were in branding, you'd be very focused on that one line of work because it's specifically for them as opposed to um, clients. But I think that's, I also agree with the internships. That's a good opportunity to be able to go and, you know, try out. Um, if you're not sure, this also stems with the company size. If you want to work at a large company, if you want to work at a small company, and then you can kind of uh, move from there to see where you want to go with your career. Yeah, as a follow-up to that, I think it's also worth spending a little bit of time asking the question, like, I think internships are usually framed as like the most important thing you can do while you were in school. And I certainly think that they hold a lot of value, but I'm curious uh, if y'all would agree with that. Like, what kinds of things did you learn during your internships that you feel like were really, really helpful? And were there any things that you were like, I don't know, I, I felt like I learned more from other things, kind of a question. I actually don't have experience with an internship. I I flew right into the workforce. <laughs> I okay, didn't so have any experience. I was with I was hoping I wasn't the only one because I was the same way. I didn't. Yeah. Have I I certainly tried, but I think it just didn't pan out. Uh, and you know, part of that was you know my degree plan changed a little bit while I was mm -hmm. in school, so there was a little bit less direction at times. Yeah, I'm at the same where it's like. Well, I'd, I don't exactly know, you know, I know that internships, I feel like would help kind of uh, ease you into it, um, especially if you were to be uh, hired afterward to then work at the same place, it would be kind of like a starting point. Um, but I'm at the same point where it's like, oh, it worked out so far. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like at least for me, the internships in general, I think it just depends. It depends on the person and how quickly they want to start up. Yeah, I think for me, um, internship was like critical and just making sure like I, I knew I was in the right career path. Like once I had that internship, I felt, well, it was in it led to my first job, but I really knew I was like, yeah, I'd found the right path. Like this is where I wanted to be. Yeah, I too um, <laughs> don't have uh, experience with internships. I also kind of came in as well. Um, I did work sometime, at least for Xperia, as a contractor for the first month. And um, I guess I like to think that was sort of my um, trial period uh, working. And I had also worked on 
some other uh, freelance uh, pieces before I came into the official workforce. Um, but I think when I was in school, I was really intimidated and I didn't really know where to start. And I was like, well, I'm not really sure what I want to do and I don't want to waste their time. But I think my advice now is just go for it. If you see it, like go and be open and explore. But also it's not the only way to get into the workforce either. There are a lot of different things that could happen that you might not have known about and uh, doors that are open that maybe you didn't see that door. So you did the 30-day trial and then you forgot to cancel your subscription and you got signed <laughs> up for full time. Is that how it went? Yeah. Flew <laughs> <laughs> under the radar. They didn't get notification. Yeah, we still have it. <laughs> We still have your credit card on file. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if, if you get the opportunity, it can be, a, internships can be a great way to just really feel things out. Uh, I mean, it's such a vast space, especially now, right? Uh, before it was more, hey, computer science and you're working on this, but now it infiltrates really everything, right? Uh, I mean, even your toaster has probably AI in it if you get the right one, right? Because, uh, you know, on this day, he likes it this brown. And on this day, he likes it this brown. <laughs> you know, it, o- over time, if it's not there, it'll get there. And so you can really focus. And, uh, you know, as as he said, um, it, it can be like a little trial experience to see and feel out uh, where you would like to focus. There's so many different aspects to it. And you may realize you don't like the application side of it. Maybe you like the theory and academia more. Right, so that that can be revealing as well. Yeah, yeah, I, Caitlin, I really appreciate what you said. It's it can make it a smoother transition for sure. Like gives you a little bit of a taste of, oh, maybe I I liked this part, but not that part. Okay, that gives me more clarity into what I want to look for for a full time job. Or it can be an easy on ramp into, hey, I worked with this place as an intern and they liked me and I like them and hey, now I have an offer. That's awesome. But it's, yeah, it's it's not the only way to onboard. It might be a smoother process and it might help answer some questions, uh, but there are other ways. Uh, you know, I know some of those are taking advantage of your your network of other people you've met through your school uh, or other people who, who are connected in that way. Uh, and, you know, there's a number of other ways to kind of get into that process, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overinflate the necessity of an internship, but I also don't want to diminish the value that it has especially if you intern at Xperia, then it's just always a great time. Oh yeah, for sure. You love the swag too. That's true. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk a little bit though about the longer term side of, okay, you've graduated. Now you're looking at jobs. What kinds of things should you look for? Maybe some some red flags and uh, maybe good things to look for. I don't know, green flags, I guess that would be. Um, and then some of those other just like things that maybe might not be common knowledge to be aware of while you're going through that process of looking around and applying. Like maybe a callback to the mentorship thing. I felt like it's something early on in interviews with companies is like uh, how the recruiting process goes. Like, um, for example, if like, you know, the people are supposed to interview with are late or Mm -hmm. don't show up. That might be an indication what it's going to be like when you're actually working there. Like if your manager is just too busy uh, to make time to even talk to you. Um, maybe that's not a place to go work, especially early in your career, because you're probably not going to get that kind of mentorship you'd be looking for. Yeah, I think following up on that, if if the people in your interview are complaining about the job that they're at, or <laughs> just generally have a bad attitude or seem like they don't want to be there, um, it's not always a, a bad sign. Sometimes people have bad days, but 
it could potentially be a, you, know, you have to ask the question, how would I feel working with this person who's interviewing me? Like if those are the best people they could put forward to, to recruit people, right. then, you know, what is it like behind the scenes? Right. Yeah. I think also um, answers to questions. Um, I think sometimes during an interview, there can be kind of like wishy-washy answers, um, especially in multiple stage interviews, you know, asking the same question and not really getting the same answer or, you know, not really a pinpointed mm -hmm. answer. I feel like that's something to look out for. And also taking your own questions into it with you, like mm -hmm. having, having an idea of things you want to ask them, like you're saying, um, a list of things that you're interested in learning about, whether it's the person you're talking to specifically or the company that they work for being prepared in that way, I think can make a huge difference in kind of feeling out if it's a good fit. I know one question that I really love uh, for interviews is just asking the um, recruiter to go through their workday because then you can see if there's any red flags, um, if they start to look mm -hmm. distressed uh, or if they're excited, then you are kind of also excited too, if that's something that you like their answer. <laughs> Yeah, I sweat for 30 minutes before I check my email. <laughs> <laughs> I think one other thing on the note of, you know, when you're applying for jobs and looking into what it means to get in the workforce, just a, a general understanding that the recruiting process takes time. I know when I was first applying, I was very discouraged with how long it would take to hear back. And some companies, like I got an email back two years later saying, we're sorry, we filled the position. That's not what I'm talking about. That's just like a funny example, but it, it can take weeks or sometimes months to go through the whole process and recognizing like, if you're trying to get something quick, it's probably, you know, that's probably not going to happen most of the time. Sometimes something awesome will fall into your lap, but most of the time, like it can be kind of drawn out. So being prepared for that kind of marathon uh, and, and having, you know, endurance for that, just, just being aware that, okay, this is going to take some time and, and that's okay. Um, Sometimes good things in life take time, but I definitely didn't expect that when I was first applying for jobs and it, it stressed me out a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, being on the other side of it, I mean, Kareem, we get busy and we'll forget to follow up. Um, so sometimes, yeah, be patient. Um, and that's not necessarily a reflection on you. It's just is the nature of, uh, of like the process. And keeping in mind that it's not just a, a solo decision that you, you know, we're evaluating you. It's it's a large pool that we have to get through. Uh, and, you know, it takes a while to interview everyone through the different stages of the process and then narrow down and prioritize and then compare against the opportunities and the, the growth plan and, you know, all that stuff uh, in an ever-changing economy. So as, yeah, as Johnny said, just be prepared for uh, and plan accordingly for uh, the time it will take in reality. Right. And it's okay to ask questions about, hey, how long should I expect this process to take? If, if a company gets upset with you for asking like when you can expect to hear back, that's probably a red flag. It, it's okay to say like, hey, I'm trying to make a decision. I have other offers on the table. How can I work with you to make sure we're both on the same page? That kind of a thing. Like it's okay to have those conversations. You don't wanna be a jerk about it, but you can be upfront and say, hey, what, what should I expect? How can I help make this process go smoothly for both of us? Uh, I think can be really, really helpful. Yeah. And also on the other side of it taking a while, I've also heard of the red flags of it uh, being hired too quickly, being hired mm -hmm. within your first interview on the spot. That's also something to look out for because they may just be trying to fill a spot as opposed to, you know, listening to you and uh, looking at like who you are and, you know, really wanting you to be a part of the company. 
right? If it seems too good to be true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, offering you a, a spot right away and giving you an offer that they're expecting you to accept before you leave, mm -hmm. uh, right? That just has all sorts of shady uh, yeah. around it. It's always good to take a little bit of time to think about it. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, let's uh, let's kind of just go around and if there's one thing that you could share with someone, you know, they're graduating in a couple of months, uh, they're not quite sure what they want to do, and they're a little intimidated about the thought of entering the workforce. What's one bit of advice that you would give uh, to encourage them and, and kind of set them in the right direction? I feel like mine's pretty general. It's just the, you know, choosing something that you feel like you would really enjoy, you know, obviously looking into it. Because if you don't actually enjoy what you do, then you're not going to get the fulfillment that you expected out of the job. So not just kind of jumping on something because, you know, maybe it's money related or just overall, you know, choose something that you enjoy. Yeah, I would say um, work on stuff that you're passionate about because other people can see that and they can also remember that. And I guess like my one piece of advice turns into like one, one and a half piece of advice, but um, <laughs> also your connections with other people are super important, even your peers at this point, because they can also be the ones that help connect you to things that, that you don't know either. So also like be open and don't view that as a competition either. I think mine would be ask questions, don't suffer in silence. I think you'll see as people are in a more senior or lead position, they're often the people that are also not afraid to just ask the dumb questions in a meeting, in a client call, wherever, uh, because it's worse to go away with a, a maybe a misunderstanding or lack, un, lack of understanding and just thinking, well, I'm probably the only one who didn't know that. But no, just ask the question because there's probably somebody else thinking worrying about the same thing on that, on that call. And, um, you know, yeah, just, just, just kind of like we've, we've been saying, just always be learning. We're always learning. Even if you've been doing this for decades, there's so much to learn. Understand the concept of good enough, right? When you're in school, you're always aiming for perfection. You want to do good. You want to get, you know, hundreds on your projects and assignments that way you have more padding and buffer so that you can do lower on the final and still pass the class <laughs> and, stuff, right? uh, and and so and and you're always in that mindset right and then you come into the workforce and it's like oh you want to do perfect stuff my code has to look perfect my designs have to be absolutely perfect right uh, and then when rubber meets the road you realize no you can't be perfect and clean right because the world is dirty and there's all sorts of uh you know irregularities and stuff like that that have to be adapted to and in school you have you know whatever time you want to spend on it right anytime you're not spending maybe you are going out to grab a, a subway and watch you know friends final season or something on thursdays um you know or whatever but at work you have to understand that the time you're putting in there's a cost to it right and so it's always a reality balance of how much further do you put in to make it perfect but at what expense are you doing that right so it's like that triangle and all that stuff right it's always uh, a balance and so always asking the question of how much further should I go on this particular thread uh you know to your manager to your boss to the client is always a good thing and so like as you know connecting back to what Phil said is like ask a lot of questions and that'll start giving you sort of a barometer of hey what is good enough for this uh, to move forward and move on to the next one. 
Yeah, my bit of advice would just be to recognize that uh, the people that you work with make all the difference. You can be on a really tricky, frustrating, confusing project, but if you're on it with good people who are smart and kind and considerate and helpful and willing to kind of help you go through that process and explain things with you or help you learn, it makes all the difference. And I think that uh, in, in a world where it's super easy to hyper-focus on your title or your your salary or the prestige of the company you work at, uh, it's really easy to overlook the value of if you're not working with people who day in and day out know how to get stuff done and are considerate and are good to work with and are just like good people, then the most prestigious job and the highest salary and the coolest title doesn't mean anything uh, and you'll be miserable. So just recognizing that, that that's super significant. And if you can find people uh, like that, even the most frustrating projects become something that might not always be easy in, in the middle of it, but it's something you can look back on with those people as something you learned a lot from and, and you got you got to know those people better and see their character shine through in a really important and powerful way. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I'm so fortunate that I've had that opportunity to work with such uh, great people here at Expiro. And um, really, it is the, the people I work with day in and day out that make this job as great as it is. I just, Aww, now thanks, now I just want to give another piece of advice is like, because that just jogged my memory of like uh, how you treat people is important because, you know, you could be like the greatest genius at whatever you do. But if you're a jerk, no one's going to want to work with you again. But if you just like and kind of to your team aspect johnny it's like if you just treat people well and people like to work with you you know you could just be okay but people will probably come back to you and still want to work with you and like that way you know you foster your network that's probably better for your career than just being like a superstar who has no interpersonal <laughs> skills right thanks for connecting with us today if you have a complex software problem that needs solving thoughts on what we discussed today, or ideas on what topics we should tackle next, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at experowink.com or on Twitter at experowink. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you next time. <laughs>